I'm Nalaya Chakana, and you're listening to the Dare to Love podcast. The Dare to Love podcast is the place where we get naked and have a real conversation. <laughs> so, welcome. Thank you. Miss Sam. Uh, yeah, I've been wanting to have you on my podcast for years. years. <laughs> <laughs> We've yeah. talked about it many times. And various subjects. And... um yeah, I'm really grateful to be here with you and, and with you in person, in person <laughs> and witness you in, in motherhood and have you witness me yeah, in motherhood and see you pregnant again and with your family and how everything is unfolding. It's really a pleasure. Yeah, so yeah. right now, Kailani and I are actually living in Sam's house. Um, as some of you may know or may not know, Ruan and I came here to Peru for a couple of weeks and for me it wasn't enough so he had to go back to Mexico to do some work I stayed behind and we chose to live with Sam yeah and her family yeah. so of course we had to take this opportunity to finally record <laughs> <laughs> and I think we're just kind of going to free flow with it although we did touch upon we a, have some ideas yeah, yeah yeah we have some ideas yeah. so before we start would you please tell us a little bit about yourself that's a big question do you have mm. a, a direction motherhood life path career um maybe in one phrase who you are in your personal life and one phrase who you are professionally okay how does that sound yeah let's let's flow with it let's see what comes through so as Naya said I'm I live here in, in Peru with my family We've been here for about three years. I met my partner with Nalaya. The day that Nalaya and I fell in love, he thinks that we were falling in love. I have to correct you. Wait, we're, 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 we're going to tell our story in a moment. Okay, okay, okay. It's like so funny. Like Just the other day, I was like, you were there? He's like, it was my birthday. I didn't realize we met on his birthday. All I remember is Sam. It's a great love story we have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, Nalaya and I met here in Peru, but we'll get to that. So, yeah, my path to Peru was one that was kind of just carved out for me, honestly. Um, so my background is in psychotherapy. I spent years after after high school studying and you know, going through the traditional Western system, doing my undergrad, doing most of my master's degree. And then, you know, I was kind of in this natural, spiritual unraveling, I guess you could say. And I remember as I graduated my, my undergrad, I typed into Google spiritual master's programs in psychotherapy. And so that landed me in Boulder, Colorado, where I started this, this path and pretty soon kind of just had this discomfort in the system and the licensure and all this type of thing. So I chose to leave and I was really interested in birth at the time. Actually, I had a, um, a woman come in who was a birth psychologist who started sharing about the importance of birth and how that impacted the psychology of human beings and how if we can support birth in different ways and have different outcomes that we can have a massive impact on someone's life. And so I actually left my master's degree to go and pursue supporting women specifically around birth and 
thought I'd maybe become a midwife, and so I took a doula program. And at the time, I started working in homeless shelters as well. So I was working in high-crisis homeless shelters, working as a doula. So I'd go from responding to a heroin overdose and bringing someone back from a heroin overdose to mm. racing to a birth after work and watching a baby be born. Mm. And so this is a really, you know, big chapter in shaping kind of the rest of my life. And yeah, at this point, I just got this deep feeling that there was like something missing and that I had to go and travel in order to find what that was. And so I went through this process and I started to travel in Southeast Asia. I went and lived in Australia and that's when plant medicines, I, I got into plant medicines when I was still in Canada and then they got, came in in a bigger way when I was living in Australia, specifically ayahuasca. And yeah, while I was living in, Iowa, in Australia, I went through a pretty massive initiation with ayahuasca where I asked it if I was meant to go to the jungle. I asked her if I was meant to come to the jungle. And I had the strongest ceremony of my life and kind of decided after that I'm not going to drink ayahuasca anymore. <laughs> the answer she gave me was yes, you're supposed to go to the jungle, but she gave me the full spectrum kind of you know, it's not all butterflies and rainbows and it's not just, you know, learning about the connections of life and death and the beauties of nature and plants. And, you know, she really kind of showed me that collectively there's a lot that we're processing. And so going deeper into her realm meant really looking at that in myself and holding space for that in others. And so I was scared off, to be honest, for a moment. And then... Yeah, I was brought to Peru spontaneously. I had my friend who I was sitting with medicine in Australia reach out and tell me he needed my help at his center and I just knew. <laughs> I knew that I had to go and it was it was scary but I took the leap and my plan was to come here for three months and then continue on and everything just unfolded from there. I have a, a coaching business that kind of just came out of nowhere as well. It was really unintentional. I just started supporting women one-on-one -on -one in my field. And it's just really beautifully grown into just that. Yeah, I really focus on on working one-on-one -on -one with women and helping them move through just the layers of life and, you know, the mind and the emotional body and psychosomatic, these types of things, and it's been really beautiful to just be able to so intimately stand next to sisters and support their process. And so now that I've come full circle and I'm a mom, <laughs> it's kind of coming back to that space and I'm noticing, yeah, really feeling this inspiration around birth and preparation for birth and to, to work with women again in this mm. motherhood realm. So... Yeah, my career is an ever-unfolding thing, you know. I have a beautiful education that is my foundation, and then I have all of these experiences that life just continuously lays upon me to continue to initiate me into just new levels of myself, which allows me to hold space for new levels within others as well. So, yeah, I'm here for it, humbly surrendering to the journey and the never-ending process of learning mm -hmm. and growing and exploring being a woman mm -hmm. and you know connecting with sisters and witnessing others as mothers and mm. you know it's been it's amazing you know our journey is from talking about love and you know partnership and 
neither of us knew in that hot tub that night <laughs> that we were both like, oh like moments away from our big loves. <laughs> Right in the yeah, same moment. Now, here we are and we have babies. And it's yeah. just like, it's crazy. It's this journey of life. It gives me goosebumps even just to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can really relate to what you said about, um, you know, how your life and purpose is just unfolding. It, like in, in that moment that you were saying that I got this like, yeah, you know, sometimes I envy people who have like their path and, you know, they're like, committed to it and that's it yeah and uh but there's a beauty to the ever-changing evolving and like as we initiate get initiations in our own life how that then weaves into what it is that we offer and honestly i wouldn't have it any other way yeah so this is at the end of my cycle of the five years that i lived in peru where we all went on a trip to apu ausangate and I recently posted about this because I took Ruan there as well. It's one of my favorite places on this planet. I went there because it was locked down. Um, I had to make my way over to Thailand. And it to was be... Mike's birthday. It was Mike. <laughs> Apparently, I got invited to Mike's birthday. All I remember is like, I have to go to Aosangata to make an offering <laughs> to see whether, you know, I could actually get the blessing um, to make this journey during world lockdown to go to Thailand to be with Ruan. And, um, you know, it was most of my best friends. And, uh, I suppose I filtered out the fact that this trip was actually organized for my birthday. I vaguely remember him being there. Anyway, what I, <laughs> what I mostly remember is we drank with Chuma. We went on this amazing hike at the peak of, our hike, we got caught in a snowstorm. A blizzard. <laughs> <laughs> a snowstorm. Broke into a mamita's casita. On oh the my god. Poor, yeah. And 18 of us crawled in. Into this like dark little shed. <laughs> and fire. it was perfect. You and I. Even ended then up, it was you and I. Yeah. We ended up, <laughs> we ended up sitting together and the rest didn't exist. It was yeah. just her and me. And we chatted and we shared and we just clicked and we fell in. It was love at first sight. That's how I always relate to Sam. (laughs) Love at first sight. It was like this kind of connection of like, wow, you really get me. And there's aspects to our experiences and even the connection to, you know, travel and uncovering and dealing with our own shit uh, through plant medicine and love and, you know, being honest and vulnerable and direct. And it just felt very complimentary and very like deep, deep, deep level of understanding. Yeah. When we finally came down from the mountain, uh, we went to the hot springs and there were two pools. One of them was yummy and the other one was boiling hot. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, (laughs) it may have actually been boiling. Too hot. (laughs) Yeah. We didn't care. We needed the privacy. (laughs) We needed the privacy. So we ended up burning our asses just to be able to chat together and we couldn't stop talking and it's like at the end of like a medicine journey so we were like dehydrated hungry but we couldn't stop talking like, we got out and just steam coming off the bot our bodies yeah, it's cold these this mountain yeah, yeah. is up in cold air and it's like yeah red from the neck down <laughs> and what we talked about in the hot tub was mostly i suppose our our love stories or like certain yeah. loves or um, ex- experiences that we'd had that were so impactful that it either blocked our journey of, you know, the real thing, but we were both also in this position of having the clarity that yes, we are ready for the real thing. 
And at that time, I mean, this is like before I left Peru, definitely to go to Thailand. I wasn't sharing my story with many people because there's a lot of people who I didn't feel could, could, get, could, could, hold could, it. could get it, could yeah. hold it, could yeah. resonate with it. Because you have to either be very sensitive or have a lot of faith in love to understand the difference between are you going on a journey to follow an illusion of something that you created in your mind over someone that you barely know? I mean, you know, the one and I had met, but we didn't really know each other. And yet the confirmation I got from like the core of my bones was like clear and direct and you got it. And I remember we talked a lot about a specific relationship you'd had at the time, but we knew we wanted to be mothers. We knew we wanted to be married. We knew what our vision was in our vision, you know? Yeah. And within a couple of months, like, I suppose we, we both ended up yeah. it's meeting. Su- it's super funny because my partner tells the story <laughs> of Alice and Gate very, very differently than the lion and I do. <laughs> he calls it our first date and, like, that we hung out all day and he just kind of walked slightly in front of me for the hike and would slow down to interact with me. <laughs> and for me, the moments that were bigger were definitely you you know everyone else was in the other pool that night yeah. like we were huddled together in the in the shack I think I remember briefly even saying you know like oh yeah everyone's saying Mike likes me but I don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and I was there also to like have quality time with my best friends before leaving the country and Some I stranger up, shows up and I end up being with the only person I didn't know it was like <laughs> Yeah, oh my goodness, life. Yeah. <laughs> when you know, you know. When you know, you know. Mike knew, apparently, in that moment yeah. <laughs> as well. And actually, before recording this now with you, I was interviewed by another podcast. And uh, she went quite deep into, like, you know, the aspects of, of soulmate and what it means and how I would define it and this and that. And, like, now that I'm talking to you, it's like, same as friendship. No, I call it love at first sight because there is no differentiation of like who we are in our most authentic expression. Like certain patterns that happen within friendship are often accentuated in, in the sure. way that they come out in mm-hmm. intimate relationships. And mm-hmm. so when we're dealing with like certain patterns that play out or certain things that we no longer want to attract, uh, within, you know, our real relationship, like the partnership, intimate relationship, it's it's a good thing to like look at what's happening in friendship and maybe you know us it's almost like symbol i'm really i'm realizing this in this moment it's like almost symbolic like we had this love at first sight when you know you know know, like this kind of attitude and you know the body tells us a lot and i suppose that's exactly what we felt with our men totally totally but my man felt felt it before me (laughs) apparently but no I, i remember having dinner with you guys before i left at his house and yeah it was like I was this... living there at the time too. Mm-hmm. At the right. Marie did the I Ching, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was this uh fragile um what's the word? Like electrifying energy, you know, when you're yeah. just falling in love and everything is kind of sure but unsure and yeah. uh there is a realm of possibilities and Totally. Well for me it was you know, like uh, the relationship that we I think spoke about in the hot tub was one that I was integrating and in integrating that, you know, for the first time, I think I was really in a space of like, I've always wanted love, you know, I'm, I'm a Libra, I'm a lover. Um, I've always wanted family, you know, this is always something that I've really prayed for in my life. And so there was a journey that was semi-painful in moments to get there. And I had lived in the jungle for six months before coming out to the sacred valley where I met Nalaya and my partner. And 
yeah, I was with a person at that in the jungle in in that time frame, and me, I met you know some of the deepest patterns within myself in like the shadows of how I was relating and didn't really see how I was in ways the one creating my suffering in that space. And so I think for the first time I was really in this space of not looking, you know, like I feel like before that I was always like, Ooh, who's this guy, you know, like checking out their energy, their appearance, the way that they communicated, you know, just kind of like dissecting everything about them. And, and that's when Mike came into my field. And I think that that's why, like, it wasn't this like, so like, I wasn't really moving towards him full heart open. I was like, Oh yeah. You know, and everyone's like, Oh, he likes you. And he was also at the time moving away from one of our best friends. So it was this, yeah, interesting dynamic at Aosangate. Mm-hmm. Cause that was when Letty was also connecting and mm-hmm. it was this weird kind of, you know, so I wasn't putting much energy towards it, but he was feeling that. And yeah, a couple of weeks after that, before we had our dinner, before we left, we did another Wachuma ceremony at Kinsakocha. Mm-hmm. And he told me at the beginning of that hike that he loved me. Mm. And then, oh, wow. yeah, he put his hands on my shoulders and he said, I love you and I don't expect anything and it's okay, but like, I just need you to know that I, I really love you. And I was like, mm. <laughs> and so I actually spent that whole day. <laughs> <laughs> These guys have like a good timing. Yeah, no kidding. I'll share you. I'll share when the one did this to me. I was like, yeah, like literally my heart was in my throat and I don't even think I responded. It was like right after we had just drank the cup of medicine and we're going to walk around the mountain. So the good thing was that we had all day to walk around the mountain. That is really what saved me because it definitely triggered this kind of run response that also I had been looking at for months, you know, and so interesting this paradox of like how we're sabotaging or how I was sabotaging myself anyway you know and like how are you sabotaging yourself picking people apart was my big thing like I picking picking the person apart you know analyzing every detail like with Mike it was his blue jeans and his unity hat and his big puffy jacket and like the way he was wearing and you know like and I think also like I had a tendency with men specifically like Mike he's like hard on his sleeve type of person, Mm -hmm. you know, and he's really soft and loving and like just all there. And I've had men in the past like me or, you know, kind of pursue me with this energy. And I just was so immediate to friend zone them, Mm. you know? And so, yeah, it was that day. It was definitely a day of like looking at that and just having to process everything I process in the jungle and like get, have it right in my face. The medicine really put it in my face and was like, you know, it's scary and you don't know what could happen. And yeah, maybe he's not the picture perfect, you know, person. And I mean, he is the picture perfect person. I just couldn't see it, you know, and just like had these blockages. And so by the end of the hike that day, I was like, okay, I'm going to move towards it. And then everything after Mm. that, just, I just blasted open and we were I mean, when Disgustingly I, in love. <laughs> yeah, when I hear you speak, it's almost like maybe because you were integrating that story that was unfolding in the in the jungle mm-hmm. that really didn't seem healthy, or like in certain ways, right? In certain ways, because it was super like there's always yeah, there's always potential, and I, I would say like even if I look at my own love stories or certain <clears throat> love stories of of clients that I helped through. um it's very interesting to see like potential is there in, 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 
not in every love story, but yeah. in certain love stories, it's definitely there. And it demands two people to say yes. Yeah. And sometimes there's that half yes. Yeah. And when I hear you speak just now, it's almost like there was this faint blockage, this like protection. Mm -hmm. And you just decided like, okay, no more. Yeah. And I had to see it. And you know, like, I think when I hear you say that, it's like for me, yeah, each love story is perfect in providing us with an opportunity to move through something, you know, like that situation for me in the jungle was so perfect for what I needed to integrate for what I needed to alchemize in, in myself in that mm -hmm. moment, you know, like, and that person held space for it in a really beautiful way. You know, I was really faced with these stories around rejection and patterns around rejection. And it, like, honestly, if it wouldn't have been the set and setting that is deep in the jungle in the middle of the pandemic, you know, drinking medicine all the time, like him and I would have only ever been friends. Yeah. And I'm so confident of that, you mm -hmm. know, but because of the container, yeah, we it became more than friends and mm -hmm. that gave me the opportunity to to look at myself because he held space for me to look at myself you know yeah. he was just a super solid reflection and was yeah. like yeah but I'm not rejecting you and you know like mm. look you know and so I really looked at that and for me I actually went through this massive like regression through all of my relationships and all my stories around rejection and I had no conscious, I think I, I think I shared this with you, but I had no conscious awareness. But when my best friend, who was a male, died when I was, when we were 19, yeah. I felt abandoned and rejected. I remember, yeah. And I had no conscious awareness of it. And it was through him holding space, me being willing to cry, which oh, I, I don't cry yeah. as, as, as easily as you. Yeah. <laughs> we had that conversation this morning. And yeah, I spent three days in a tumbo in the jungle crying, just like feeling like the pain of this story that I was carrying around, like rejection. And it yeah, went all the way back. back yeah, to because that back moment. then, yeah. And it, yeah, because back then when you were 19 and your best friend died, it's like you obviously had a certain maturity, but in, impactful situations like that, I, I feel like there's layers to it. Totally. And we do need to mature in certain totally. ways to like revisit. Totally. And I think that that is the beauty of, of life, right? Totally. Yeah. Like the understanding that certain things are, are simply there to. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I didn't have the resources nor, you know, did I have, yeah, time just had to unfold, you know, I yeah. think it just had to, like, there's no way I don't think my 19 year old consciousness could have been like. Yeah. I'm imprinting the feeling of rejection right now. Cause especially mourning. Especially mourning, and it's interesting because I, I see mourning and heartbreak as as very very similar totally. energies grief. and it, grief, and exactly. it's like it, it's the most awful, the most painful um, experience to go through or to integrate, which is why usually the people we love most have difficulty seeing us suffer in that way, mm -hmm. whereas they are the ones that need to hold that container, and it's it's rare that someone will really feel like that patience is there from the out from the external no? for me i struggled to receive it you know like yeah i mean i guess it just depended on the person the one person that i moved through it with was my best friend Lindsay, and like it was her best friend too and we just got it and got each other and held yeah. space for each other but you know even with people like my mom like i felt like she she wanted to hold space for me so bad and i couldn't receive it mm. like i couldn't receive her 
her love and her care. Maybe it was like, you know, coming as like the mom energy that just wants to fix, you know, and doesn't mm-hmm. want to see their child in pain. But yeah. I really struggled in that time to, to receive people holding space for me. Mm. Like it was pretty much one person and I didn't really let any, and that, that I had to unravel as well. Like mm-hmm. I had all of these skills to hold my emotions back and not show my, my pain in front of anyone. And yeah, there was, I definitely, I mean, I hadn't met grief at that point. Like yeah. I had two great grandmothers that lived to be 103 years old. Yeah. They died, both died after he did, <laughs> you know, like yeah. I'd been to two funerals that were yeah. not connected to me. Like I had no concept of death or grief yeah. and so I think I went through you know this period of time of like repressing it all and then when yeah. I came to plant medicines it was this slow unraveling and mm-hmm. yeah it definitely impacted my relationships with men until Mike really so let's dig into that a little bit like what <laughs> what do you want to share about because like you know, there are certain patterns that I feel are, are quite, um, common. Yep. And actually men, uh, sorry, women picking men who are not a hundred percent committed and somehow being stuck in that. I see it in a lot of my girlfriends. Mm-hmm. So like, what can you say about the energy of, you know, the fear of rejection, I suppose that is there that then somehow plays into magnetizing that. Yeah. Anyway, whatever the fear you of rejection, share. the fear of loss. Like, so what I can share, like in terms of my story and how it unfolded, like when my friend passed away, I was in a relationship and this person that I was dating didn't like my best friend because I think there was a threat. He was a male and for sure in so many layers and so many ways, I was closer with my best friend than I was with yeah, him. Right? It's a particular so intimacy. Yeah. He didn't like him and he had all these stories and he was quite nasty, honestly, when my best friend died. And I was consciously aware of the story that I can't lose somebody else. Mm. You know, like it was the friend that was in this partner that I couldn't lose because I had just yeah, lost my yeah, best friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so even though like there was toxicity in that dynamic, I stayed in it for like another two and a half years. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. And yeah, the fear treated like shit, basically, you know, like a lot of mental and emotional manipulation. Again, I was young, but I will say again to like bring back and really root in this perspective that I carry is that like the relationships that we go through are massive opportunities to learn and to grow. Like when I left that relationship, I had integrated already by the time that I was able to actually cultivate the strength in myself to like leave that that would never happen again. Mm -hmm. No one would ever speak to me in the way that he spoke to me. No one would ever treat me. The passive aggressive, weird manipulation things that were present, no mas. You Mm -hmm. know, like it was, there was no way I would ever allow it again. And I haven't, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, so it really did it. It was challenging and, yeah, like I went through years. I think we almost dated for four years and it was never a super healthy dynamic, honestly. And yet I learned. And so I don't regret anything in that. But yeah, I think after that, I went through kind of like this, this really interesting period of 
honestly, for years I went through this really interesting period of being only attracted to emotionally unavailable men. Yeah. And then that was what perpetuated this story around rejection. Was yeah. Because they were emotionally unavailable. Yeah. And, but like they were mysterious and they were, you know, yeah, and it's we, like, we come up with and you want to crack them, you want, like whatever, yeah. you don't even know at the, like you don't even really know what that like draw is. It's like, it's the reflection in you of the part of you that, that you don't want to see, that you don't want to see and that you're not the part of me that wasn't ready for it. Yeah. You know? And, and often it has to repeat and repeat and exactly. repeat until you reach yeah. a point where it's like, yeah, like I've had exactly. enough. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I really feel like there's a power in in the sense of having enough. I feel like that is usually the cost of like, okay, you're either gonna really like totally. head in a different direction and, and and recognize like what what is the story that you are creating that is removing you from what you actually want. Yeah, totally. But yeah, you hit on this this point of like loss of love, um, which if I'm honest, like I've I've, I've heard countless love stories I've, I've worked with so many people specifically on this topic of love yeah and what i've actually noticed like just to speak in black and white terms of you know there's um the fear of rejection is is perhaps um the fear of well yeah the fear of abandonment versus the fear of commitment mm -hmm. but i actually feel that both hold a connection to the fear of loss of love mm -hmm. because in some way we all know what that actually entails um like, for example, something that clicked into place for me ages ago was the understanding that my the mother of my grandmother <clears throat> was left by the man who impregnated her with my grandmother. So the, mm -hmm. my grandmother was her first child. Yeah. She had to hide the pregnancy. This is like in the 1920s. Um, eventually she remarried and they kind of just like adopted my grandmother into that um, family dynamic. into that family dynamic and you know it's like shove it under the carpet let's not talk about it type of thing and it took me probably through plant medicine and a lot of inner work and a lot of like needing to reconnect with my heritage to eventually have this story come to me right mm -hmm. and I understood that along the line there was some imprint of that fear of loss of love and so it, you know, I, I guess I'm bringing this up because very often there is an ancestral link. In your case, it was a friendship. Sometimes it's the first heartbreak that is super impactful or the one that got away or whatever. And so I think that for all of us, there is an understanding of like what it means to lose love once you have it, which can in itself create a barrier of having that power to vulnerably open to someone because when we dare to love that big yeah. simultaneously there is this feeling of like oh my god i am giving you the power to hurt me oh for sure and it's it's I'm, with, vulnerable yeah with the one ever. it's like I, I keep going through various initiations it's not like oh we met and that was it no it's like there's <laughs> multiple initiations of needing to sink deeper into that sure. deeper into trusting him deeper trust trusting us yeah. our foundation i mean right now it's like I'm so stable that it's hard for me to connect with that sensation. But in the beginning of the year, I felt that fragility again. And it's something that will come up over and over again. And when we're on that journey, um, so for myself, my pattern was actually the opposite of you. I suppose in a way I chose men that were easy to walk away from, okay. even though they intrigued me. And I, um, I very often, power. Was, yeah, yeah, I always kept my power. Yeah. 
And then, you know, we come up with stories of why the man this and that and why blah, blah, blah. And, you know, there's always things to learn from these relationships, but it's also tricky to, you know, prevent ourselves to not get caught in this loop mm -hmm. of what I call addiction, where being in relationship itself is the drug and the journeying together and learning from each other. And then, you know, saying goodbye and needing to integrate that and doing it all over again. It's like that in itself can be like the rush of a drug that causes for that addiction. And I hear it all around me where, you know, people are integrating and it's like, it's hard. A heartbreak is hard. But if the story you tell yourself is, oh, you know, it's worth for the lessons that I learn, then that narrative in itself is going to perpetuate yeah. for having more of these kind of stories come up. Yeah. So it's really fascinating that in a way, you know, I'm telling the story of my, the mother of my grandmother, my great grandmother, you know, that somehow had an effect of why I was so non-committal or afraid of commitments because there was this understanding of like what that really meant. And of course it's all mixed in with like other love stories I had and heartbreaks I had and whatever, mm -hmm. but regardless of like what perspective we come from or what shadow is most present in our love journey, there is that fear of loss of love, right? Yeah. And I think like ultimately what that fear of loss of love is, is a resistance of grief. You know, like it's like for me to make that connection between like the death of my best friend and like how that was impacting my romantic relationships and like me avoiding that level of grief, you know? Yeah. And then when I came right. to that moment of like saying, yes, I'm going to move towards my partner. Wow. I went through initiations yeah. like around like just, yeah, it's so vulnerable to love somebody that much. And my partner's 13 years older than me, you know, big process I went through was his age. And like, does that mean he's going to die before me? You know, like I right. went through a massive journey with that yeah. and like, you know, just like that thought, like it's like to love somebody that much, you know, and I had a very unique relationship with this best friend of mine that I'm talking about as well, you know, like very, very, very unique, very deep, very together all of the time, you know, like mm. all of the time and just had each other's backs and just, it was a very, very unique relationship and love. And like, that was the deepest I had ever gone probably with any man in my life next to my partner. Like I would say even yeah. all of the men that I ever dated, you yeah. know, but it was like, they would be like the two like deepest loves and they mm -hmm. were both romantic, you mm -hmm. know, but one ended in this loss. Tragic, yeah. yeah. That was so abrupt and just so intense and like, yeah, led me into that, you know, that I think that there was this subconscious avoidance of that and I don't know, you know, that that ever goes away, you know, like I've yeah. met that with being in partnership and like going to the depths and like, I've met the fear of losing him. You know, I'm really confident the only way I would lose him would be through death, but mm -hmm. you know, and, and yeah, that, that it, I just have to hold it, you know, and mm -hmm. just trust and just keep moving forward because I mean, the alternative would be losing him, you know, it's mm -hmm. like walking away would be losing him. And so it's like, yeah, you know, I think that love and fear are, you know, opposite sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. And so I think the deeper that you love, the deeper that you have to meet your fears mm. and process them and mm. make space for them and just 
let it all coexist in this messy and world then, inside of us, you know? It's like, so now you're talking a lot about, like, you know, the fear related to loving, but what can you tell me about being loved? Like, and the resistance to that and how it's that, how it's interwoven, because it's almost like, you know, a different perspective coming from the same source. Um, but they come with each their own teaching, right? Like totally. somehow they're interconnected, but like, uh, I bet you've had moments that gave you clear insight of like, whoa, like now I'm consciously choosing to, to open up to allowing that love to come in. I think it was a very synonymous thing for me. Like it was the moment that I said yes to moving towards love. I was moving towards being loved. You know, like I said, like I had these other friends basically before that that you know it, it was very clear to me that they were interested in me but I never allowed for those energies to open even though they were really good men and they were soft and they were kind and they were caring and you know I had I knew they had the capacity to love me like I those were the ones I kind of kept at a distance and would allow to be friends and you know but yeah kept a little bit of of space and I think that that was the resistance to being loved that was just standing next to that whole process of just what it meant in its totality to step fully into love you know and I think that like once I was able to see all the layers and make that conscious choice it all happened quite easily for me, you know, like I am a lover, you know, Mike, even this morning in bed when we were talking about Sunny and her inability to cuddle, <laughs> he's like, you're not your mom's daughter. Your mom's so cuddly. And I'm like, yeah, baby, but I'm only cuddly like that with you. Like I'm not, I, it's certain people in certain moments, like girlfriends that I get like close to, Yeah. you know, I, I will be more definitely like cuddly with, but I wouldn't say that I'm just like. I'm very cuddly with him, you know, yeah, and like yeah, we're yeah. very like touchy and, mm -hmm. you know, giving and receiving love in all of the ways all the time, yeah. you know, but I'm not just outwardly like that with everyone. Like I definitely mm -hmm. see certain personality archetypes that like meet someone new and they're like, can I kiss you and hug you and love you? I mean, you were also an exception. I think we were quite in, like close and intimate quite quickly, but um yeah, no, I think that like it's a unique thing that letting someone love you as well you know and mm -hmm. yeah and what that means what that means and how you go there yeah so it, it, it was never that part of it was never a super conscious process for me like okay I need to let myself be loved I think that you know like I think that that ultimately is related to my childhood like I had very loving nurturing cuddly parents mm -hmm. and so like when I think the structure of safety is there around me. And I knew Mike had that. Like, I, from moment one, yeah. like, I kn knew his devotion. Like, I knew how serious he was, mm -hmm. you know, when he told me that he loved me. And, you know, like, yeah. in saying yes to him and loving him, like, I knew I was moving into an extremely safe container. Yeah. So I think it was just my nature to allow for that to unravel. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's two things I want to navigate. Well, okay, maybe I can I can share first. Hold on, mm -hmm. just to make like a mental note, uh, the self love thing that we talked mm -hmm. about this morning. I'm yeah. gonna go into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, I do want to share from my own perspective that you know I I did hold some level of control in in various partnerships where 
I did really feel like I was in my feminine and I could trust and, and go deeper. Oh yeah, I want to ask you about trust. Okay. Can you remind me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was a resistance to it, um, you know, and I think that this is something that may sound familiar to some people who are listening where you get agitated because you're not receiving the support or the guidance or the advice or the, I don't know, the love in the way that you wish to receive it. And if that keeps coming up, like, oh, I wish you did this, or then there's an inability to really see like what is there, right? Like how you are being loved. That may not be the same way that you are being loved. Mm -hmm. And so for me, there was somewhat of a process over recognizing where my resistance was to being loved because I, I do love greatly and it's mm-hmm. easier to give than to receive for me. And, you know, the layers of receiving, I mean, this is already like such a long journey that mm-hmm. it's an ongoing thing in my life. And I, I am enjoying the discovery of this. No, like just recognizing like, okay, this similar to what you said about, you know, the rejection or the fears or the grief or the resistance or whatever certain themes will just continue to be part of our lives and Mm -hmm. the moment we shift our perception of like oh okay curiosity as opposed to resistance more of it can actually more fluently unfold because i think the moments that things become really difficult has simply to do with our resistance and i couldn't really see how much of a resistance i had i think until i gave birth because I don't know how to put it. I suppose in my personal experience, even though I've drank, I don't know how many cups of plant medicine and worked, I don't know how many years on my ancestry and my connection to my heritage because I was raised abroad. It's like, you know, my connection to Holland and my parents and grandparents, like it it was a lot of work for me to ground, to be able to ground in another place, no, like I did here in Peru. And yet it required me to give birth for something to almost like open up, maybe through the shifting of the bones or it really came from my bones. Like I remember I was, you speaking about your bones yeah. and like the ancestral during downloads. The, yeah, during birth. the birth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like in my hip socket. Yeah. Anyway, I'm still working on it, but all I'm trying to say is like certain patterns and shadows came out that were simply inaccessible for me until I gave birth and was initiated into motherhood. And that in itself shifted my lineage, right? Because my mother became the grandmother. My grandmother became the great-grandmother. And in September, we're going to have the opportunity for all four generations to be there. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Um, But anyway, yeah, I was faced with um, aspects of myself that I had managed to hide from myself and things that I really didn't... I I went through processes of, like, not liking myself and to be... After birth. uh Mm Uh-huh. And recognizing that the things that perhaps I'd seen in my ancestors, in my lineage particularly my maternal lineage were present on me in me and I had been able to manage or avoid in other partnerships because I chose to maintain that more powerful position let's say yeah and there was the one loving me through it all and and this is where something really cracked open for me uh, to be loved through the process to yeah, it's it's hard for me to really put to words, but I think you can feel it. No, it's like to be loved or to love. Sometimes it sounds really fairy ish and like beautiful and rainbows and sunshine, and that exquisite blissful state of ecstasy definitely is part of it. But then to be loved in the darkness and to yeah. love yourself in the darkness, yeah. and for me, the journey of loving myself more 
um, has very much happened through the eyes of Ruan. So to see how I am loved through him allows me to love myself more. And there's this synergy and alchemy and reflection and uh, fusion that is just ongoing through like, you know, the journeys that we are on either as a couple where, you know, we're building on a strong foundation and continue to build on that. And then we have our individual processes and the initiation into parenthood right at the start of our relationship, which was similar to you. I mean, I went through extreme identity death and he's also like navigating the, the reshaping of his purpose and that patience and that dedication to our partner as well as to our own processes um, allows for that love to be reflected, no? Totally. And this has really helped me to, uh, yeah, regain, I suppose, more self-love, even though I never doubted it because I'm this confident woman, but it's almost like my confidence was my shadow. It's like my confidence was my protection mechanism totally. that didn't allow me to see certain things within myself regarding yeah. love. Yeah. So like we can, you know, pretend almost to be like, I know what I want. I know what I deserve. I know what I'm worthy of. But then that in itself can be the barrier. Yeah. And it's so interesting because like this morning we were talking about certain things in love and patterns and this and that. And and then Mike said, well, you first have to love yourself. And we were both like, no, no you know, no, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> because that in itself can again <clears throat> perpetuate in this narrative of like, if only I love myself, then I am worthy. And it's this thing of like this equation, right? Like, oh, if I do this, then, then I deserve that which again is like a trick yeah. that prevents you from receiving that. Whereas when there's just that openness and trust, so maybe you can reflect on that. And then I actually want to navigate into trust and yeah. have you explain kind of like, what is the difference between, um, or like, how would you define, you know, cause you say, Oh, I knew I could trust Mike saying, I love you. And that it came with a safe container. Like, yeah. I think people hear this and it's like, of course we want to feel that, but yeah. what does that actually mean? Okay. Well, it's, so <laughs> <laughs> too many things to talk about. Too many things. So I think, I mean, when you share, share that story around birth and like it initiating you into this kind of darkness within yourself in these moments of, yeah, just like, traversing yourself in a, in a new way and having I think your confidence stripped no? mm. you know? it got redefined Re yeah it's for like, a moment you were bare I was you bare know? and it was so fragile And exactly and I think that this weaves so perfectly with this you know this declaration that we're both making that you actually don't have to love yourself you know, in order to be worthy of love. And so I think like what he was reflecting to you in that moment, and this is something one of my, my teachers actually talks about a lot is the, the difference between confidence and self-worth mm. and how oftentimes confidence is this mask mm. to the areas where we're not feeling fully worthy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so in that moment of you being stripped bare, you know, to have, your partner standing there reflecting your worthiness of being loved mm. in that bareness, you know, I think that that was the initiation that you needed to even go deeper into this story that you don't need to be perfect. You don't need to love every aspect of yourself because it's also that's, you know, it's such a journey mm. that self-love is, 
is a forever process. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, yeah, we can feel confident, we can feel good in ourselves, and then there's a moment that's just going to throw us off of our feet, and that's what hopefully our partners are there to hold and and witness and, Mm -hmm. you know, really be able to reflect back to us that even if we're expressing ugliness or experience in ugliness or, you know, feeling those really dark places in ourselves, that it's actually the foundation that's their devotion, which then weaves into the trust piece, you know, like knowing that your partner is devoted to all of you mm-hmm. and that you're, all of you is worthy mm-hmm. of that devotion, not the pretty sparkly parts, not the part of you that studied this thing and had this experience and birthed your baby in this way. And, you know, like these things that we can really get tied to, our egos can get tied to, really, you know, that like make us feel as though we've had these grandiose accomplishments. And not that those things aren't accomplishments, you know, I'm so proud of those parts of myself. But like I was saying this morning, you know, it's those moments where for me the parts of myself that I think I've worked on or I think I've integrated and they come up in this shadow shadowy way that then I get frustrated with myself and you know to just have a partner there that can be like yeah like you could have behaved better in that moment but like it's okay and mm-hmm. like what do you, you know just holding me as I process what I'm going to do about it how I'm going to integrate and so yeah to bring it to the trust piece like Mike is his teacher is Hanuman you know Mm -hmm. and like that's all he talks about and Hanuman's main two teachings are service and devotion Mm. you know and so I just knew that he was serious about devotion and Mm. like the depth and it's it's a bit intense for me honestly like he's so real about it like and he's devoted in a way that like honestly like if I'm being real like I don't know that I am at that level Mm. you know like we've had conversations about worst case scenarios for us and that for me is you know infidelity like would be a really strong Mm -hmm. you know breach of trust and not that I think that either of us are ever capable of it but he has literally said to me it wouldn't like I would be there through that you know I would meet you in that like that's not going to break us or that wouldn't break us Mm. you know and like I was like Like, Mm -hmm. it's a big thing to say. I'm like, I don't know that I can give you that same, Mm. you know, like, just be like, yeah, no, I'd I'd be there for it. You know, like, Mm. it's like, I want to think that I would be, but also like, that would be a massive breach of trust for me. And there Mm -hmm. would be a lot of healing. And I don't, it's not just simple like that for me, you know, like Mm -hmm. he's so devoted. And so like, because of that is the foundation, like, that's where there's so much trust, you know, like my best yeah. friend and his best friend is one of his ex lovers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, like, yeah. for me, it's like, if something were to be up with him that like, I feel like he needed someone other than me to speak to, I would send him to her, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And like, I have so much trust for him yeah. and for her mm-hmm. that like, my mind would literally never go to exactly. any weird space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Totally. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'm just thinking about like insecurity and confidence because these are the two opposing energies that cause often for certain patterns to continue to repeat. Mm-hmm. 
and like we're talking about how these things are basically infused no in in the relationship once you do journey with your partner and uh it's it's really incredible no like these are things that obviously are revealed in medicine space like how um there is a paradox <laughs> i always say like all the keys to the universe and to life are based on paradox yes <laughs> and it's like that's where the humor lies and the moment we can actually laugh at it and understand like okay if there's an insecurity that um you know prevents you from really finding security it, it's kind of like a mystical thing because even recently i wrote something about the only true security can be found in the recognition that everything is insecure it's like this like connection to the mystery of life and you know the more you control the less trust there is and the more you trust the less need for control and it's like that interweaving that happens in so many aspects of of life and love and the moment you step into that together in devotion it's also a word i really like using in in my relationship because i feel it and that's what makes the hardship easeful you know it's never easy to go through difficulty together but because of the devotion and i like that word so much more than commitment mm-hmm, me too because it's it sounds dry whereas devotion is like commitment sounds effortful oh yeah you know like you have to like like you're like there's like this forcing and commitment mm. whereas devotion is like a prayer mm. you know it's like it's like a way of being you know like yeah. and it's it's so much more it's than it's so much more than just your your partner you know it's like Yeah, it's core values. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you know, while talking to you I'm just thinking about like okay, these patterns of like fear of rejection or you know, fear of commitments or whatever and and how it like unfolds in this repetition of of um yeah, attracting the 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 wrong types of relationships somehow it's like oh yeah through this conversation i'm realizing like yeah devotion is it because like the moment you step into devotion for yourself because i remember like my core values that was it they were my guidance mm-hmm. kind of similar to hanuman no it's mm-hmm. like however you want to symbolize it there is that commitment and an understanding that mm-hmm. you know similar to karmic things that need to unravel and unfold and you continue to learn from so is truthfulness for example yeah. or or authenticity or um dedication or yeah whatever other core values i can not think of in this moment but yeah. like i remember really taking it to heart and like integrating it more and more and more into um my friendships to then stand in that devotion in my own life yeah to be able to attract that totally and then self love is there right because it's yeah. not like There's one I I will, I want to I want to speak to one word you just said twice and the word attract. <clears throat> and it's something I've actually been working with. Sorry, what? The word attract. Attract, yeah. And it's something I've been working with my one-on-one clients with. Mm. In the last like two weeks it's been a conversation with more than one of them. And really inviting a reframe there around are we actually just like attracting these things or are we allowing them? Mhm you know and i think that i think that there's something there for me that that is really powerful you know i think that this word attract can allow us to get into this like kind of victim mentality of all of these mm. things are happening to us and 
why do these patterns in terms of relationships and all these things and we can't figure it out because we're attracting this and you know I think like in the process of going deep into ourselves if we choose to take that path then we can actually start to see and I think that that's what really happened for me is that I it actually took me like hitting pause for me it took me you know going into the jungle for six months and just being with myself to actually see the intricacies of my own mind, my own consciousness, my own relationship to myself that was perpetuating my own suffering in relationship and like the way I was allowing myself to behave, the way I was allowing other people to behave within my my sphere that then created that pattern of the similarity in outcomes that mm-hmm. for so long I was feeling a victim to. Like, literally, like, mm. moments in tears, you know? Like, why does this keep happening? Mm. Why is this pattern present in my life, you know? And just, like, I just couldn't see it. And I felt like I just, like, something must be fundamentally wrong with me because I'm attracting this. I'm attracting mm. it, you know? And in this, like, deep dive into myself, it was like, holy... I... it. I am perpetuating so much of it, all of it, really, you know? And I think that there's this really fine line, like, even in that, like, in both of these words, you know, I really hold the prayer that we can stay away from things like shame and blame of, like, you know, we being the victim of why, like, that helplessness and, like, oh, I'm attracting this. And then if we go to the word allow, it's like, well, then I'm in control somehow, and perpetuating it you know but I think actually like the invitation is to get really curious you know Mm -hmm. really like hit pause and like it's so it's so interesting to hear this you know (laughs) because like you're making me realize in this in this conversation like how opposite our journeys have been Mm -hmm. um like the wounding the approach and because I have a specific reason why I choose this word, uh-huh. um, because it's like, you know, the strong, independent woman who decides it comes with this very penetrative energy um, of like me, for example, like I manifest very easily and I've, I've never felt victim to like what was happening. I've always felt like I was in control of like who I invited and when it happened. And I needed to learn this because some subconscious of of part of me decided that this is what I needed to um, experience. experience. And I had to let go of all of that and simply attract and therefore trusting God kind of, (laughs) if that makes sense. And so when I speak about attract, for me, it's like I see the yoni. Uh-huh. I see the vagina. I see like the, the sexual expression of like the more I open and like allow in, the more pleasure I receive, right? When I make love and it's how our bodies uh-huh. are designed. And so for me, uh-huh. attract fits into that. And I suppose maybe, yeah, maybe what I say and how I speak really comes from that journey I have been on. And it's like so refreshing actually to hear like, (laughs) but of course, like if you blame yourself and somehow feel like there's something wrong, then that, then that word in itself can like be so detrimental. Yeah. And so this conversation is so beautiful because hopefully there's a lot of people and a lot of different women experiencing a lot of different things listening, you know, and 
hopefully the mirror in our experiences and in the semantics that are being chosen and the perspectives can be liberating on both ends. You yeah, know? and also like I suppose to maybe put a little bit more attention onto like who you receive information from or like mm -hmm. also like connect with yourself of like how does this resonate for me or like is that word because like I'm also very connected to words <laughs> yeah, and it's totally. like I've I've needed to reframe words redefine words um take out words from like vocabulary redirect yeah. and it's like we create codes right yeah. and my code evidently wouldn't fit yeah. in your yeah. yeah and it's like the same and It's there's really also beautiful. perfection, you know, like I'm saying, like, I'm seeing it in multiple of my female clients right now, Yeah, where it's like this helpless energy, you mm. know, and feeling helpless in their journey to finding love. And, <clears throat> you know, so like my, the frequency I'm holding for them is like to really not be in these spirals of shame and blame and allowing for it to rec reflect back you know like there's something innately wrong with you you know yeah. because there is like this tendency to go there mm -hmm. and rather it's like okay but what are the intricacies like that are leading to these outcomes and let's unpack that and let's you know refine your perspective refine your actions mm -hmm. and you know help them to transcend that that helplessness and that you know, feeling victim to the pattern rather mm -hmm. than feeling in relationship to it. Yeah. And likely maybe opposite for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 for sure. Because like, yeah, what I'm focusing on now, what like intrigues me so much <laughs> is, is like the women who have it all, right? Mm -hmm. Super su successful. Um, I don't know. God knows how many followers like driven, know their purpose. And for some reason, Can't cannot find love. find love. Yeah. And that type of woman would probably not admit that some part of them feels like there's something wrong with them or that they are victim to what is happening. It's like there's yeah. that shadow that even prevents them yeah. from being able to access that. Even though I would say fundamentally, if we release all the, the layers that are preventing us from touching that deep core of what is actually hidden beneath, it's the same. Totally. And yeah, it's like these vulnerabilities and the fear of loss of love and, you know, whether we cover it with insecurities or with confidence, it's like, it's, right. <laughs> it's wow, this right. is so interesting, this conversation. Girl, we need to record something. <laughs> She's like, okay, let, let's leave our babies for a second. We have an hour. I'm like, do you think an hour is going to be long enough for us? <laughs> so this is part one of the 10 series, the, the 10 episode mini series of Sam and Alaya. <laughs> oh my god yeah we could go on for sure <laughs> yeah i think it would be cool to you know yeah end here mm. allow for our conversation to continue expanding and you know put an invitation out to anyone who is listening you know to interact with us i would love that and spark questions that we mm. could explore and you know maybe together we can all go deeper and explore some of these yeah. threads that we've opened that are just innately like miles deep all of them really mm -hmm. you know and so yeah and you know i really and i think that this is why we click so much because in a way we're like opposite but we're the same and like there's this foundational understanding of like <clears throat> 
respect because I know your journey is authentic and like the way we dare to look at ourselves and the way we navigate our relationship and like initiation as a mother, like there's so much happening all at the same time. And yet your perspective is like coming from this other side that allows me to see things in a new way. And it's like so beautiful and refreshing. And I would love to continue leading yeah personally or recording or whatever all all of the ways (laughs) ways. (laughs) let's see what what blossom yeah allow it to whether it's now because i'm not even sure how long i get to stay here this time but i'll be back and luckily we can record things from distance yeah but this is more fun it is Mm -hmm. it's nice it's an excuse for me to come back yeah Yeah. (laughs) continue to come back sounds absolutely great so thank you thank you for being here yeah. and for being in my life and yeah. for the inspiration you are. You too, my love. I love you. I love you. Hey, thanks for tuning in. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode. Now, before you go, I have a quick announcement to make. This year, I'll be teaching Dare to Love again. So if you are fed up dating the wrong guys and you want to attract your soulmate, go to nalayachakana.com and check out the Dare to Love course. This will be the only opportunity to work with me before our next pregnancy. So knock on my door if you have any questions. I'd love to hear from you.